0: Like Tim said, if you have a Bible, open up to Ruth chapter 4. Uh, if you're joining us online, we're so glad that you are here with us as well. Uh, this morning, we are nearing the end of our study of the book of Ruth. This series is called Hope as a Way of Life. And each week, what we have done is we've examined a different facet of our hope in God as revealed by the Old Testament book of Ruth. Ruth. The narrative, the characters, and the themes found in the book of Ruth are powerful echoes of the gospel and, uh, and reveal to us the enduring hope that we find in Jesus. So this morning, as we begin to conclude this remarkable story, we are going to be examining the relationship between hope and our renewal. I'll be reading and teaching from the New uh, International Version this morning. Ruth chapter 4, it says, So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you, and who is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord, we give you thanks this morning for this wonderful story that has been so helpful to us in revealing where our hope comes from. Revealing the the wonderful hope that we have in you, Jesus. And so this morning, I want to ask God that you would illuminate our hearts and our minds this morning to see the hope that we have in you, Jesus. May it all point to Jesus, who is the source of our redemption and our restoration. We ask today, Lord, that if anybody here, I ask today, Lord, if anyone here does not yet know you, that they would be, uh, that you would reveal yourself to them in a powerful and radical way. We lift you up, Jesus. We ask that you would move in our hearts and in our minds right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Every year, um, uh, millions of American adults suffer from a condition known as HGTV syndrome. (laughs) The sermon just got real for some people already. If you're unaware, HGTV syndrome is a chronic condition where as you get older, as you age in life, your your life becomes increasingly consumed with home restoration programming on television. Symptoms of HGTV syndrome include uh, a sudden and unexpected urge to drive to your local Home Depot on a Saturday morning just to browse. (laughs) Chronic anxiety when deciding between quartz or granite countertops. Random breakouts of paint swatches all over your house, and excessive use of the phrases shabby chic, mid century bohemian, and farmhouse whimsy. <laughs> Consult your doctor immediately if you experience any of these symptoms. From Fixer Upper to Property Brothers, from Extreme Home Makeover to Hometown Takeover, from Chicago Flippers to American Pickers, there is a seemingly infinite stream of home restoration programming, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. In fact, behind cable news, HGTV is the most watched network on cable television. We just cannot get enough home restoration, why? Well, in one sense, these shows, they inspire our minds. They inspire our creativity. We watch a show and we get ideas about what we like and what we don't like, about color palettes and decor styles and remodel ideas. But there's more to it than that. There's something deeper. Uh, Author Melanie Rainier wrote an article about why we love HGTV, and she says this, She says, We love these stories because they echo the desire in all of us to be rediscovered and remade. You see, these shows don't just inspire our minds, they also inspire our hearts. They tap into something that is buried deep within us. They lead us to believe that restoration and renewal are possible, that they're achievable. They dare us to hope and dream that things once broken and forgotten can be brought back to life, that somehow value can really be reclaimed. And isn't that what all of us long for? Not just for our homes, but for our lives. Perhaps that's why we get so much satisfaction out of fixing up a vintage car or repairing that surfboard or refinishing that piece of antique furniture or uh, repainting that living room in our house. Because in that restorative work, we are doing something that we long to have done in us. One of our greatest needs, whether we realize it or not, is for renewal. We know that deep down, something within our being is broken, worn out, and frayed. We've got rust in our soul, broken relationships, age, failure, loss, pain, sin. All of these things contribute to our spiritual decay. And the greatest problem of all is that try as we might, there is nothing that we can do to fully reclaim ourselves in our own strength. This is what Ruth learned. This is what Naomi learned. And this is what we learn from their story. When we first meet Ruth and Naomi in chapter one, they are broken, battered, beat up, and worn down. Remember a famine, uh, forces Naomi and her husband, Elimelech, uh, to sell their land in Judah and emigrate to the hated region of Moab. And then soon after that, Naomi loses both of she loses her husband, and then she loses both of her sons, and she becomes widowed. Left with no fortune, no family, or future in Moab, Naomi's only option is to move back home to Bethlehem. But before she leaves, Ruth, her daughter-in-law, insists on accompanying her back to Bethlehem. Ruth pledges herself to Naomi. This is because Ruth realized that God was pledged and committed to her, and this changed everything. And by the time we get to our verse today in chapter 4, we see a completely different picture of Ruth and Naomi. They've gone from, from begging to blessing. They've gone from being used up to being lifted up, from the depths of despair to the peak of promise. Through divine providence, radical obedience, and surprising faith against seemingly insurmountable odds, Ruth and Naomi find themselves restored and renewed. But how? The book of Ruth reveals that our spiritual restoration and renewal are not only possible, they are promised. And even though like Naomi, we might not see it, All the time, God is at work renewing and restoring our hearts and lives. Last week, we examined what the book of Ruth reveals about our redemption. In marrying Ruth, Boaz, the guardian redeemer, willingly agrees to purchase back the land belonging to Naomi's family. Boaz's choice to buy back the land and marry Ruth uh, is a picture and a foreshadowing of what Christ, our redeemer, has done upon the cross. We, like Ruth, have been purchased in love. And like Naomi, our debt has been paid in full. We have been redeemed. Our passage this morning shows us that on the other side of redemption is renewal. This final scene in the book of Ruth reminds us that just as much as our past has been redeemed, our present and future is also being renewed and restored. And though we might not always see it clearly, God is doing a renovation work inside of our hearts. It's more beautiful than we could possibly imagine. Our text this morning reveals to us that God satisfies three of our deepest longings for renewal. For renewed identity, for renewed community, and for renewed strength. First, we learn that God satisfies our need for renewed identity. Notice how the women refer to Naomi by her given name in verse 14. Why is that so important? Well, in chapter 1, we see that Naomi pleads for a different name. When she arrives back to Bethlehem, she's completely and hopelessly defined by her sorrow and her suffering. She is so worn out, so beat up, so broken down that her own people barely recognize her. They say, can this be Naomi? She even demands that the women of the village call her Mara, which means bitter, instead of Naomi, which means pleasant. Because in her words... She says in chapter one, the Almighty has made me made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. She has literally become her suffering. She's become so entangled with her bitterness and sorrow that she can't even identify with who she was before she left Israel years prior. What we see is that Naomi had settled for a lesser identity, an identity that was not defined by God, but by everything that had happened to her. And at its core, the book of Ruth is about the restoration and renewal of her true identity, her true name, the name of Naomi. It is God methodically and providentially sanding away the Mara from her heart, showing her that even if she was finished with her name, he wasn't done with it. Even if she had forgotten who she was, he didn't. Even if she had lost all value in her own mind, she still had worth in his mind. I think there's some people that need to hear that this morning. But toward the end of the story, we see a beautiful picture of a restored Naomi. How do we know that she is restored? Well, you can picture this woman surrounded by people who are proclaiming her true identity over her. This is a picture of her restoration. And this is also a picture of how the gospel restores our identity. Because like Naomi, all of us, every single person here today, has some, in some way settled for a lesser identity. We have allowed something else, something lesser, to define us. Perhaps like her, it's our circumstances, Or maybe it's our failures or our successes. Maybe it's what others say about us or what others think about us or what we think others think about us. Maybe it's our sin. The gospel wholeheartedly rejects all of these sources of identity. The gospel says that you are not defined by your situation or your condition. Who you are is not wrapped up in what you've done or what's been done to you. Your worth and your value are not dictated by what others say or think about you. The gospel says that your redemption is what defines you. That is the good news of the book of Ruth. And that is the good news of the gospel that we have been redefined in light of Christ. Our identity has been restored and remade by our redemption. Through His sacrifice on the cross and by His resurrection from the grave, Jesus has given you a new way to be defined. The reality of the gospel forces us to ask, where is our identity? Where is your identity? Is it in your career? Is it in being a good husband? A wife? A mom? Is it in being a good friend? Is your identity wrapped up in your pain, your anger, your guilt? For you, all of those things actually might be true right now. Those things might be true about you, but for the one who belongs to God, these are not the truest thing. Naomi's suffering was indeed a part of her life. Those 10 years in Moab were indeed a part of her. They shaped her, but there was something more true for Naomi, and there was something more true for us. What Naomi discovered and what we discover is that above anything else, we are children of God. His love for us never fades and He never abandons us. We belong to Him. And that is something that we needed to be reminded of every single day. No matter what you've been through, no matter what you've endured, no matter how you've failed. If you are in Christ, your identity is a beloved son, a beloved daughter of the living God, and that is the truest thing about you. In Jesus, you have a renewed identity. But it's not just our identity that's been restored. We discover from the text that God also satisfies our need for a renewed community, Notice what the women of the village say to Naomi in verse 14. They say, your daughter-in-law, Ruth, who loves you, is better to you than seven sons. What is so significant about this? Well, when Ruth arrives at the gates of Bethlehem, she is a complete outsider. Naomi might have had some extended family uh, in, in, in Judah, but Ruth, she had no one. Any family, any community, any relationships, any friendships that she had were left behind in Moab. And from the get-go, Ruth is defined by her exclusion from the family of God. The author of Ruth and almost every character in the book of Ruth, uh, refer to her for, for most of the story as "Ruth the Moabite," a reminder that she is a foreigner, an outsider an alien to the culture and the family of ancient Israel. But in the eyes of the community, Ruth was more than just a foreigner and an outsider. She was an enemy. You see, the Moabites, they were despised by the Jews. Their practices, their their culture, everything about the Moabites was anti-God. They were idolaters. And so by being in Bethlehem, Ruth is not just excluded, she is in danger Boaz actually immediately recognizes this in chapter 2 when he sees her on his property. He implores her to stay close to his female servants and to not go to any other field because he knows that if she were found in the wrong hands, she could be abused, manipulated, or even killed. We see throughout the book that uh, Ruth the Moabite is actually defined by her Moabite-ness. And yet, at the end of the story, we see that Ruth is no longer excluded from the family of God. She is esteemed within the family of God. She is better than seven sons. Now, we are a lot less shocked by this than we probably should be, because the value system of ancient Israel doesn't always uh, compute in our westernized, individualistic minds. This is a radical statement of inclusion. Why? Because in Israel, sons were everything. Sons were the means by which you carried the future and the survival of both your family and your property. Sons were the means by which you protected your societal influence. As strange as it sounds to say today, back then without a son, you had nothing. You had no future, no influence. Nothing. Without a son, you were dead in the water. This is the primary reason why Naomi finds herself in a place of such hopeless desperation at the beginning of the story. And so for the women, women of the village to say to Naomi, your daughter-in-law, your foreign Moabite daughter-in-law is better to you than seven sons. That is the most un- unthinkable endorsement of Ruth's inclusion within her new community. Ruth now has a renewed position within the family of God. She has a new standing within her community, a standing that's not based on what she's done or accomplished, but based only by her relationship to the Redeemer. Through marriage with Boaz, uh, she is one with Him, and this changes everything for Ruth. Friends, this is what the Gospel has done for us. Because like Ruth, we were once far off. Like Ruth, we were once excluded from the family of God. But our Redeemer has brought us near. In our union with Christ, through his death and through his resurrection, we, like Ruth, have been adopted and grafted into a new community, a new family. Not a perfect family, but a family in process of renewal. And not only are we adopted into this new community, but we have a role and a purpose within this community. Just like the women remind Naomi of her true identity, our role as a a community of faith is to remind one another of our true identity in Jesus. In the same way that the women spoke of Ruth's value to Naomi, we uh, we have the same responsibility to lift one another up. Next week, we're actually going to see that uh, the community is even tasked with the naming of Ruth and Boaz's son as well as raising him. All of these things reveal the importance of community and family within the kingdom of God. This is why we put so much emphasis on community groups We have the opportunity, week in and week out, to put these things into practice, to participate in this community of restoration, to remind each other through worship, through fellowship, and through the study of Scripture, what is most true about us. This is what it means to be a renewed community. For those of us who have put our hope in Christ, we now live with a renewed identity within a renewed community. But at the end of the day, our renewal doesn't come from those around us, nor does it come from within us. Where then does our renewal come from? Well, finally this morning, I want us to see that our need is satisfied for renewed strength. May He, the Redeemer, become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. The book of Ruth reveals to us that hope is not a one-off. It's not a flash in the pan. It's not an event. Hope is something that we carry, or perhaps better said, hope is something that we that carries us. Our hope in God is not merely something that saves us. It's something that both renews and sustains us. That phrase in verse 15 could be translated this way. He shall be unto you the repairer of your soul and will nourish you all the days of your life. What are the women doing here? They're reminding Naomi of the source of her hope and her strength. Remember that when Naomi showed up on the doorstep of her homeland, she was running on fumes. Her tank is empty. She even admits it. Remember, she says, I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. And yet, through the provision and the sovereignty of God, through the obedience of Ruth and the kindness of Boaz, at the end of the story, Naomi stands full once again. Naomi came to Bethlehem looking for bread. She was hungry. But toward the end, she has found spiritual bread. She finds nourishment for her soul. God has renewed her strength And as much as the women of the village are encouraging her to remember that truth, they're also exhorting her to remain in that truth. They're saying, Naomi, you've been renewed. Keep being renewed. Don't forget who sustains you. Don't forget where your nourishment comes from. Don't forget where your strength comes from. And just like Naomi, we have one who nourishes us. We also have a repairer of our soul and a nourisher of our hearts. We have a sustainer. And the well of his strength and power will never run dry. He is our daily bread, our spiritual nourishment. And like Naomi, we must remain in our Redeemer. We must not forget where our strength and our nourishment comes from. We must always remember our bread. In Jesus, we have one who has not only redeemed us, but one who also promises to fully renew our strength, our hope, and our spirit. This is why devotional practices matter. This is why we read the Bible. This is why we pray. This is why we worship. In doing these things, we draw upon the one who is the source of our strength and our renewal. So is there hope for our renewal? Is there hope for our restoration? I believe that we learn from the story of Ruth that yes, there is hope for our renewal if we allow it. Let's look at verse 14 one last time. Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left to you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him, the Redeemer, birth. Who are the women talking about? Who is this Redeemer? It's not Boaz. Boaz was already famous in Israel. Plus, he couldn't have given birth to himself. If not Boaz, then who is this Redeemer? Well, it seems that the author of Ruth is cluing us in to the real redeemer of the story, the child born in Bethlehem, not the grandson of Naomi or the son of Boaz, but the son of man, the living God made flesh, the savior of the world who, like his ancient mother Ruth, stepped into our humanity, all that we might be restored. The king of heaven who, like his ancient father Boaz, was willing to lay down his wealth and his reputation so that we might be declared valuable once again. The great repairer of our soul who is not content to merely purchase the old furniture of our hearts, but who will not rest until we are fully restored and renewed. Amen? Amen. Lord, this morning we rejoice that we do indeed have a hope of being fully renewed and fully restored. Thank you, Lord, that you did not abandon us or forsake us, but you are always faithful. You are always faithful to draw near to us with your redeeming presence. For those of us who find ourselves weary and tired and worn out, much like Naomi, ask God that in your presence we would find renewal. We would find strength today in the presence of the one, the only one who can fully redeem us. The same invitation. Into renewal that was given to Naomi is also available to us today. It's an invitation that has been made possible by the cross. An invitation into renewal that has been made possible by the sacrifice that Jesus made on your behalf when he cried out, Te Telestai, it is finished. And this morning, if you do not have a relationship yet with Jesus, the invitation is to believe in him. If you are worn out, if you're worn out trying so hard in your life to renew yourself, sinking endless amounts of money and time and effort trying to reclaim your value and you're worn out from it, the good news today is that even though you can't, Jesus can. Jesus is the only one who can fully renew and restore you. And the best part about that is that you don't actually have to try. It's not something that you muster up. It's not something that, where you have to get your life together before Jesus restores and renews you. It is available to you. It's available to all of us. The good news is that by the cross, we have been made right with God. But the best news is that by his resurrection, we are made brand new. We have been raised with Christ. Anyone is in Christ. He is a new creation. The old is past. Behold, the new has come. Renewal and restoration are available right now. Right now in this moment. There's nothing you have to do this morning. There's nothing you have to do. Renewal is available to you right now in the presence of God. This might look like a parking lot, but this is actually a holy place. This is actually a sanctuary. We believe and we trust in the, in, the, in the truth of Scripture that where two or three are gathered there, his presence is. That means that he is in this parking lot right now. His presence is here. His presence that renews and restores our soul. His presence that breathes life into our dead lungs is here right now. His presence that causes our broken hearts to start beating again is right here in this place. It is available to you. So let us not withhold ourselves from his presence. Let us not shrink back from his presence, but instead let us go boldly into his presence with great thanks and praise for what he has done for us. If you need someone this morning to guide you through these things, If you're struggling, if you're feeling worn out, beat up, tired, bruised, battered, whatever, and you just feel like you can't do it alone, there are some lovely people on this side of the parking lot and on that side of the parking lot who would love to pray with you, who would love to pray for renewal in your life. If you don't know Jesus yet, they would love to lead you to him this morning. Let us worship now. Let us saturate ourselves in the presence of the one who restores the one who sustains, and the one who fully renews. Amen.